0: Hi, welcome to this Book of Mormon podcast. I am David J. Ridges, and today we will be doing, studying, the Book of Mormon, Moroni, chapters 1 through 6. Since this is a relatively short reading block, I would recommend that, if you would care to, you get your own set of scriptures out and follow along verse by verse. We will be doing quite a bit of verse by verse study on this reading block. By the way I am the author of Doctrine Covenants Made Easier, uh, along with many other uh, study guides for the standard works of the Church. As we start with Moroni chapter one We will find that Moroni is obviously quite lonely, he's the only one left, and uh, we can feel that in the first verses of chapter 1. Let's read them together. Now I, Moroni, after having made an end of abridging the account of the people of Jared, I had supposed not to have written more. But I have not as yet perished. Doesn't that make you just your heart just uh, feel for him and his situation? It'll be really interesting to meet him when we end up in the spirit world. And hopefully he will be giving some fireside lectures there telling us what his life was like at about this point. That's just my hope. That's not doctrine. One of the things that we learn from Brigham Young is that in Moroni's wanderings, he got as far west as what is now Manti, Utah, where the Manti Temple stands. We know from what Brigham Young taught that Moroni dedicated the temple site for the Manti Temple. I'm going to read you a little excerpt from The Life of Heber C. Kimball by Orson F. Whitney. This is from page 436. Quote, Early on the morning of April 25, 1877, President Brigham Young asked Brother Warren S. Snow to go with him to the Temple Hill. This, by the way, is down in Manti. They had come to meet with the local leaders and dedicate a temple site, as well as choose a location for it, and then dedicate it, of course. Brother Snow says, quote, We two were alone. President Young took me to the spot where the temple was to stand. We went to the southeast corner, and President Young said, quote, Here is the spot where the Prophet Moroni stood and dedicated this piece of land for a temple site, and that is the reason why the location is made here, and we can't move it from this spot. And if you and I are the only persons that come here at high noon today, we will dedicate this ground. Now, we will continue with verse 2 of chapter 1. For behold, their wars are exceedingly fierce among themselves, and because of their hatred they put to death every Nephite that will not deny the Christ. By the way, if you're into making notes in your own scriptures, you might want to make a little note out the side of verse 1 and say, Book of Ether... That's the people of Jared that Moroni had abridged or made a shortened version of. And out to the side of verse 2, you could put a little note, a little comment that the wicked turn upon themselves. Now, verse 3 And I, Moroni, will not deny the Christ. Wherefore I wander whithersoever I can for the safety of mine own life. Verse 4, Wherefore I write a few more things contrary to that which I had supposed, for I had supposed not to have written any more. But I write a few more things that perhaps they may be of worth unto my brethren the Lamanites in some future day, according to the will of the Lord. One of the things that stands out to me in verse four is Moroni's deep Christ-like love for those who are his enemies. He is hoping that some day my brethren, the Lamanites, that's a marvellous way to refer to your enemies, my brethren. He has an eternal celestial perspective as to who the Lamanites are, those who have Killed his father and wiped out his own family, obviously, and are chasing him, hoping to kill him. He loves them, and he is hoping that this will be of worthwhile and value to them. That's a great goal for you and me, to try and achieve, to have that kind of love. As we go to chapter 2, we find some helps as to what their church organization was. And we see, of course, parallels in our own restored church as far as the organization of the Twelve Apostles. That quorum is concerned. Verse 1, chapter 2. The words of Christ, which he spake unto his disciples. Now, these are the Twelve They are also referred to as apostles, according to the prophet Joseph Smith. The twelve whom he had chosen as he laid his hands upon them. So they were ordained, as are our apostles today. Verse 2, and he called them by name. I love that phrase. That is a term of endearment. He knows who they are, and whenever the Lord calls us or anyone else by name, that's a reminder that He knows us personally and intimately, and cares greatly about us. So, verse 2, chapter 2, And He called them by name, saying, Ye shall call on the Father in my name in mighty prayer, And after ye have done this, ye shall have power, that to him upon whom ye shall lay your hands, ye shall give the Holy Ghost. In other words, they will have the Holy Ghost given unto them if by the laying on of hands through the ministry of these great apostles. And in my name shall ye give it. For thus do mine apostles. In other words, we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's go to chapter 3. He's going to tell how elders ordain priests and teachers by the laying on of hands also. By the way, up to this point, up to the visit of Christ is what I mean, the priests and teachers in the Book of Mormon up to the actual appearance of Christ to the Nephites. Those were Melchizedek priesthood uh, brethren who were serving as teachers and priests for the people in Melchizedek priesthood offices and responsibilities. After the visit of the resurrected Christ to the Nephites, they had... Aaronic priesthood, according to Joseph Fielding Smith. So, here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. The manner which the disciples, who were called the elders of the church, ordained priests and teachers. Now, did you catch something there? Have you noticed that our general authorities are often called elder, such and such, like Elder Oaks, Elder Uchtdorf, and so forth. Verse 1, the manner which the disciples, who were called the elders, we do the same in our church, refer to them as elders, ordained priests and teachers. Verse 2, after they had prayed unto the Father in the name of Christ, they laid their hands upon them and said... Verse 3, In the name of Jesus Christ, I ordain you to be a priest, or, if he be a teacher, I ordain you to be a teacher to preach repentance and remission of sins through Jesus Christ by the endurance of faith on his name to the end. Amen. Did you notice that good lesson for all of us near the end of verse 3? By the endurance of faith. In other words, we need to remain faithful. And as President Nelson has counseled us many times now, we need to repent daily. That's a wonderful thing. It's a door that's wide open to us. We can repent and thus have a very joyful life in almost every aspect of it. So by the endurance of faith... On his name to the end. We need to endure to the end and be righteous to the end and the way we do that among other things is to be humble and repent and right now we have a great emphasis through our prophet meaning from the Lord to show gratitude and gratitude is one of the things that keeps us humble and enables us to readily repent and have a wonderful joyful life of service and helping by helping those all around us verse 4 and after this manner did they ordain priests and teachers according to the gifts and callings of god unto men and they ordained them by the power of the holy ghost which was in them in other words they had inspired words uh, as they set these brethren apart to their priesthood officers, offices. They were inspired of the Holy Ghost. That takes me back to when I had to return from my mission. I was attending the university, and uh, I was being called to a position in our ward, and one of the members of our bishopric, I had noticed before, When he was setting people apart, he really had the power of the Holy Ghost upon him. And the blessing that he gave to each individual that he set apart was very personal and personable. And so I counted the seats, knowing that the bishop would be setting apart the first person. I hope I'm not uh, out of line on this too badly. And I knew that the first counselor of the bishopric would be setting the next person apart, and this counselor, the second counselor, uh, whom whom I wanted to set me apart, uh, would be doing the next person. So I looked at the chair arrangement and managed to sit down in the chair where this second counselor would... Uh, set me apart for my particular calling, and indeed, um, that's the way it happened. And he gave me inspired counsel as a student at the university with respect to some of the classes I was attending. So I really appreciate uh, what Moroni teaches us in verse 4 of chapter 3, that they ordained them by the power of the Holy Ghost which was in them. That's a great blessing we have in the church, being given many, many blessings on many occasions so so that the Lord, through the Holy Ghost, can give us very precious counsel. Now, Chapter 4, How the Elders and Priests Administered the Sacramental Bread. The manner of their elders... And priests in administering the flesh and blood. By the way, you might put a little note out to the side of verse 1 of chapter 4 and just write symbolism. And then you can underline or mark in your electronic uh, scriptures uh, flesh and blood. The sacrament is symbolic of the flesh and blood of Christ, the flesh that was. Uh, given for us, and the blood that was given for us. So, chapter 4, verse 1, The manner of their elders and priests administering the flesh and blood, in other words, the sacrament of Christ, unto the church, and they administered it according to the commandments of Christ. Wherefore, we know the manner to be true, and the elder or priest did minister it, So this is a pattern of how to administer the sacrament to the congregations of the church. Verse 2, we don't do this now. We have huge congregations, uh, many families with little babies and small children. At any rate, for whatever reason, we do not kneel down with the uh, priests when they kneel to administer the sacrament. Verse 2, And they did kneel down with the church and pray to the Father in the name of Christ, saying, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son, and witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son, and always remember him, and keep his commandments which he hath given them, that they may always have his Spirit to be with them. Amen. Now, did you notice the one word that's different than the wording in the sacrament prayers today? Yeah, that's kind of an easy one to pick out. It's hath instead of has. Now, chapter 5. This will be the blessing on the water for us, the wine for them. Chapter 5, verse 1. The manner of administering the wine. Behold, they took the cup and said, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, To bless and sanctify this wine to the souls of all those who drink of it, that they may do it in remembrance of the blood of thy Son, which was shed for them, that they may witness unto thee, O God the eternal Father, that they do always remember him, that they may have his Spirit to be with them. Amen. Now, you know very well that we use water. Now instead of wine Do you remember When Joseph Smith was Told that it Does not matter What we eat or drink For the sacrament As long as we do it with The proper purpose in mind If you wanted to turn With me to Doctrine and Covenants Section 27 We can read a little bit in the heading That's Doctrine and Covenants Section 27. From the heading, Joseph set out to procure wine for the occasion. He was uh, getting wine for so they could administer the sacrament. He was met by a heavenly messenger and received this revelation, which is section 27. We'll just read verse 2. Uh, That's section 27 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 2. For behold, I say unto you, that it mattereth not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink when ye partake of the sacrament, if it so be that ye do it with an eye single to my glory, remembering unto the Father my body, which was laid down for you, and my blood, which was shed for the remission of your sins. I recall back to a a time several years ago when I was serving in the bishopric. We had an occasion for a summer scouting activity that covered uh, much more than a week as far as how many days we were gone. As a result, we were still out in the mountains on the Sabbath and we had received permission from our local priesthood authorities to administer the sacrament, but we did not have any bread. We had plenty of waters because we were up in the mountains of Utah. So we used jerky, and I actually turned in my little Doctrine and Covenants, triple combination that I had with me, and read to these young men, these ironic priesthood young men section twenty seven verse two, where it said, "It mattereth not what ye shall eat or drink, and explained to them that since we did not have any bread anymore, uh, we would be using jerky, and they rather uh, enjoyed that, and we when we blessed the sacrament. We used the regular sacrament prayer, and we used the word bread in that part of the prayer for the bread. We did not say, say, bless and sanctify this jerky. We said, bless and sanctify this bread. And they all paid a lot of attention, and I think uh, enjoyed that a whole lot. Now we're in chapter 6. Of Moroni, which is the last chapter for our consideration today. As you will see, there are quite a few topics that we can discuss as we uh, read and study chapter 6. Verse 1, and now I speak concerning baptism. Behold, elders, priests, and teachers were baptized, and they were not baptized Save they brought forth, in other words, they were not baptized unless they brought forth fruit, meat, that they were worthy of it. In other words, fruit is their works and their behaviors. And so they were not baptized unless they showed by their behaviors and by their attitudes and by the things they were doing. And surely... Some of the things they were not doing that would have been against the commandments. So they were not baptized unless they brought forth fruit or a life style and patterns and behaviors that they were worthy of being baptized. In other words, the label of being a member of the church or being a Latter-day Saint is not sufficient. We have to actually live the gospel, Verse 2, neither did they receive any, in other words, the leaders of the church, the local leaders, did not receive any under baptism, save they came forth with a broken heart and contrite spirit and witnessed unto the church that they truly repented of all their sins. So, this is instruction from Moroni that uh, as we... The leaders of the church uh, admit people to it through baptism. They have to be reasonably sure that the candidates for baptism have made changes in their lifestyles that will enable them to worthily receive the ordinance of baptism. Verse 3, And none were received under baptism, save or unless... They took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him unto the end, to serve him to the end. Now, you're aware from many scriptures that to take upon us the name of Christ is to live the gospel and minister to others and be a good example, no matter where we are, of a, a member of the church. You probably know of people who are sometimes an embarrassment to the church. You also no doubt know of people that you can always depend on them to live the gospel, no matter what the situation is. And we would hope to be among that latter category where no matter where we are, what we're doing, whether it's in the grocery store or whether it's in any other kind of a situation, that we always live the gospel and people can depend on us to be examples of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. From everything that Moroni is teaching us here, we could uh, give several weeks' worth of really fine lessons, I think. Now, verse 3 again, chapter 6. And none were received under baptism, save they took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. That's a goal for us, a deep determination to serve him to the end. And again, this uh, hashtag give thanks initiative that we have just completed, that President Nelson invited us to uh, do, Having gratitude is one of the actual easiest and most powerful tools that we can employ to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow path, on the covenant path. Having gratitude does something to your whole personality and your whole being. If you have gratitude, uh, it keeps you living the gospel and it keeps you humble, and it actually gets your a lot more of your prayers answered in ways that you actually recognize now verse four, and after they had been received unto baptism, they were wrought upon, in other words, worked upon and cleansed by the power of the holy Ghost and that that is in itself is a huge thing for us to be aware of, that when we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, which we have if we've been baptized and confirmed, and if we receive the Holy Ghost and follow, for instance, President Nelson's counsel, how do you hear him? How do you hear Christ? How do you hear the uh, inspiration that comes from the Holy Ghost confirming that Christ is indeed our Messiah and our Redeemer. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, we can hear the Savior in many, many, many different ways. At any rate, back to verse 4, and after they had been received unto baptism and were wrought upon, worked upon, and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost, that's how we remain uh, worthy of entering into the celestial kingdom. We follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost. He will tell us if what we're doing is okay or not. And if it's not, then if we quit it, we're following him and we're being sanctified on a daily basis, bit by bit, here a little, there a little. Sanctified, among other definitions, means cleansed and purified, made pure and fit, and holy and fit to enter into and live with God, into the, enter into the kingdom of God and live with our Heavenly Father and with Christ. Now we'll go back to verse 4 and read a little farther before we interrupt again. Verse 4, And after they had been received unto baptism and were wrought upon and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost, they were numbered among the people of the church. In other words, their names were written upon the membership records of the church, just like we do today. And their names were taken uh, that they might be remembered and nourished by the good word of God to keep them in the right way, to keep them continually, watchful unto prayer, relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who was the author and the finisher of their faith. That is a loaded verse. Let's go back to they were numbered. We number our people in the church. They, we have membership records. When people move, the local bishopric where they're moving to is notified and they can immediately get members of the ward to make visits. So we keep track of our people and make sure their needs are met. They were numbered among the people of the Church of Christ. Their names were taken uh, that they might be remembered. And I love this next phrase. President Hinckley emphasized this a lot. They were nourished by the good word of God. This is the purpose, President Hinckley said, of membership records. Uh, He he said, everyone needs a friend, a calling, and they need to be nourished by the good word of God. Maybe you remember President Gordon B. Hinckley uh, saying that on many occasions. And the purpose of all of this because God wants his children to eventually come home to him again, middle of verse 4, is to keep them in the right way. In other words, keep them on the covenant path. To keep them continually watchful under prayer, help them not to forget to pray, and relying alone on the merits of Christ, in other words, building their lives on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who was the author and the finisher of their faith. In other words, Christ is our Redeemer. He is the author of our salvation in the sense that he uh, served his mission on earth and he performed the great atonement so that among other things, we will all be resurrected and through repentance and being forgiven and through the ordinances of the gospel, we will be able to finish. Be the, He's the finisher of their faith. In other words, he allows our efforts to end up with the goal of exaltation in mind and we will achieve it through Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Now, verse (laughs) 5, And the church did meet together oft, to fast and to pray and to speak one with another concerning the welfare of their souls. I had a a lady, a member of one of the wards of my stake during the time that I was serving as stake president in this area, Um, One day, uh, I guess we had had, I was visiting a ward and the sacrament meeting had been a little extra noisy and some of the talks had had a little extra humor in them. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't appreciate how noisy some of the older folks were in the congregation. We really weren't very reverent that day, but uh, she pulled me aside into one of the uh, bench areas, between benches, so nobody could uh, so I couldn't get away, so to speak. And she said, President Ridges, don't you think we have the sacrament too often? Don't you think people are taking it for granted? And she pointed out how kind of noisy, extra noisy it was, and she was right uh, during the sacrament in that particular meeting. But I quoted her the scriptures, and verse 5 is another one of them, uh, that the Lord has counseled us to meet together oft, meet together often. And I told her, I need it. I need the sacrament every week because I mess up enough during the week to not really want to go much longer without taking the sacrament. And I reminded her that if we take the sacrament sincerely and with full purpose of heart and in humility, that it's the same as if we had just been rebaptized. And I told her, and I need that, so I like meeting together often. And we can probably... We do need to work on the reverence, but that's a different issue. Not that we should just make it once every six months or so, and then people would take it more seriously. At any rate, you get the idea. So we had a a pleasant chat for a few more minutes, and then I was off to my next meeting. Verse 7 and they were strict to observe that there should be no iniquity among them. The iniquity, of course, is wickedness or evil or anything that's out of harmony with the gospel. And whoso was found to commit iniquity, by the way, Moroni is really covering a lot of different topics here in this precious time that he has found that he still has because he's still alive. Verse 7 Whoso was found to commit iniquity and three witnesses of the church did condemn them and iniquity here is serious sin. It would be things like uh, stealing or robbing or lying and hurting a lot of people, being dishonest or sexual sins and immorality. And th- Those are Serious sins, and that's what it's talking about here. So, verse 7 They were and they were strict to observe that there should be no iniquity among them, and whoso was found to commit iniquity, and three witnesses of the church did condemn them before the elders. And if they repented not, in other words, they could still repent, but if they did not, and confessed not. Their names were blotted out. So Moroni has brought up the matter of excommunication now. Having membership councils is what they're called nowadays. And if someone is found unworthy to continue as a member of the church, their names are taken off the records of the church. Their names were blotted out, and they were not numbered among the people of Christ. So one of the topics Moroni has Approached here is the manner of living worthy to retain your membership in the church. And then verse 8, But as oft as they repented and sought forgiveness, with real intent they were forgiven. I love that, as oft. Sometimes people ask us, how often can we be forgiven, especially of the same sin? And the answer is, as oft as we repent, We can be forgiven, as long as it's with real intent. And you can uh, give a whole talk on that phrase, with real intent. And verse 9, as we finish up, their meetings were conducted by the church after the manner of the workings of the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Ghost was very much involved in effective meetings, And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you might underline that or mark it in your electronic scriptures, however you're doing it. They, by the power of the Holy Ghost, for as the power of the Holy Ghost led them, whether to preach or to exhort, in other other words, to explain the gospel or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so was it done well. Morona is a powerful teacher. I can't wait to meet him. I leave you my testimony that he has taught us powerful lessons in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.